We're in the midst of a series through the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings. We are currently in Genesis chapter 3. If you'll join me there, I'd like to read verses 9 through 15 this morning. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 9, And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee thou shouldest not eat? The man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? The woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. May the Lord open our understanding that we may understand the Scriptures. Amen. Amen. I realize it's Father's Day, but I did not have peace about setting this message aside today to address what the Hallmark calendar says I should be preaching on. And let's be honest, Father's Day is nothing more than a Mother's Day afterthought. Let me prove that real quick. The roots of Mother's Day go all the way back to the post-Civil War era. It became a commercial holiday in 1908. It became a federal holiday, I guess it would be called, or what do they call those kind of holidays? It was um, when 1914, President Woodrow Wilson declared the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. On the other hand, the roots of Father's Day only go back to 1910, That was when the state of Washington first celebrated it. And it wasn't until 1972. Yeah. That President Nixon decided to declare the third Sunday in June as Father's Day. So it took 58 more years (laughs) for fathers to be recognized. You talk about not feeling appreciated. And since independent Baptists are notoriously slow for picking up on anything modern, according to my calculations, I have until 2030 before I am contractually obligated to preach to you Father's Day sermons. Therefore, we are going to continue our series through Genesis. However, in my defense, if you've been faithful to our church, then whether you realized it or not, I gave you a great Father's Day message on May the 22nd when I preached about God calling Adam out and not Eve after the fall. It's amazing if you preach the Bible, you'll hit Father's Day, Mother's Day, Christmas, resurrection. You'll just routinely hit them, amen. Don't have to give you a pep talk all the time. Anyway, as husbands and fathers, God calls us into account for the state of our family. Even though Eve took of the fruit and she's the one who gave it to her husband, God calls Adam to give an account first. And if that message didn't light a fire under our fathers, then some sappy Father's Day sermon 
isn't going to help you any either. Well, praise the Lord. Last time we saw in this account how Adam and Eve tried to play the blame game. Adam said, The woman whom thou gavest me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And Eve said, The serpent beguiled me and I did eat. Technically, both are telling the truth. And I see nothing wrong if you choose to have that viewpoint that they're just confessing. I personally am of the opinion that they're trying to shift blame in an attempt to justify why it wasn't their fault that they both ate from the forbidden tree. Adam tries to justify his sin by blaming his circumstances and playing the victim. Very common approach today. Eve, she decides to go with, the devil made me do it. But the devil didn't make her do anything. She took, she gave, she ate. He didn't force anything upon her. And by the way, if you're wondering, what's the big deal that they ate of this one tree? They had all the other trees. Why couldn't they eat of this one tree? The big deal is God said not to. That's enough. Because there may be things you'll come across in the Word of God and you'll think to yourself, what's the big deal? I don't understand. Why does God say I can't do this? I don't see what the big deal is if I do this or that. I don't see what the big deal is if two men or two women love each other and want to get married. I don't see what the big deal is if a person wants to identify as gender fluid or any number of choices today. I want to tell you, it's a big deal because God said that there's a way we are to live. And if God says it, it's a big deal. God just didn't say stuff so that somebody could pin it down and we'd have a Bible. There was purpose behind what He was saying and telling us. And so if God says it, it's a big deal. God wants us to be blessed, but that is dependent upon our obedience to God's standards. Be ye holy, for I am holy. And we have to return to holiness. If God said it, then it's right. I would expect way more amens on that because we live in a culture today that is trying to tell us that whatever you think is fine. What did God say? So we saw how God first calls out Adam. And God asked Adam, Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And then God, he turns to Eve and said, What is this that thou hast done? But as we come to verse 14 today, we find that God doesn't ask Satan any questions. God took the time to ask Adam and Eve these questions because He wanted them to see their spiritual condition. And God was trying to bring them to the place of redemption. But God doesn't do this with Satan. God doesn't try to convince the devil of his sin. God doesn't reason with Satan. He doesn't debate with him. Why not? Perhaps it is to show us how the fallen angels have no hope of redemption. Those apostate angels who fell with Satan after he rebelled against God, they are doomed for destruction and they will never be offered an opportunity for mercy or forgiveness. 
2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 4, For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. And you'd have to read the rest of that in context, but obviously what we find here is that these angels that have fallen, they are reserved for judgment. It's settled. It's going to happen. Jude, verse 6, And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Those fallen angels are the demons and the devils that we read about in our Bible. They are reserved for judgment. They are in everlasting chains of darkness. They will never come to the light. We are told in Ephesians 6.12 that as saints we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against the rulers of the darkness of this world. They're reserved under darkness, and that's who we wrestle. Though they are permitted to roam the darkness of this world for a season, their final day of judgment is coming. Amen. It is settled, it is certain, and they know it. Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. And when he, speaking of Jesus, was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? That time that they speak of is the judgment of the great day that Jude wrote about. Satan and his demons know they're on the losing side. You need to get a hold of this thought this morning. That's where we're going to park it. Satan's on the losing side. They know their day of judgment is final. It will come to pass. They have no hope. And let's not forget how the place of everlasting fire was prepared for the devil and his angels. Matthew 25, 41, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Revelation 20 and verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Those, Those who reject God and His Christ have cast their lot in with Satan and his fallen angels. Therefore, those who are rejecting Christ will share in the same eternal punishment prepared for Satan. I don't say that with a smile on my face, but it is Bible. And notice in our text, Satan here, he doesn't even speak up. He knows he's defeated. He has no plea. And in this, we see the almighty power of God over Satan. It's no contest. People suppose that there's this immense power struggle between Satan and God, but I want you to know that isn't so. God is almighty. No creature has power over the Creator. And we see this in verses 14 and 15 of our text because it is God who has the authority and the power to pronounce the curse against Satan, not the other way around. And we find that the curse is both upon Satan and the instrument that Satan used and spoke through. In verse 14, the curse is upon the serpent. 
physically the agent of Satan, and then the curse is upon Satan himself in both verses 14 and 15. And I meant to get through verse 15 today, but we're only going to make it through verse 14. Look at that again. It says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Remember in verse 1 that the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. That Hebrew word for subtle there is used 11 times in our Bible. Once here in Genesis 3.1. Twice in Job it is translated as crafty. And eight times in the Proverbs it is translated as prudent. Whatever form the serpent possessed before the curse, there was something about it that made it appear in such a way that it came across as clever, skillful, and wise. That's why the Bible warns us, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. He can come across in a way that it sounds pretty good. Because as we talked about earlier in this chapter, he'll mix just enough truth in with his lie to make it palatable. Even Jesus said in Matthew 10, 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Today the fox is referred to as a cunning and sly animal. And if you look at the face of a fox, it almost has a devilish grin about it. And so do snakes. I don't like to get close enough to find out. And if you'll watch Robin Hood and the Golden Arrow, you'll find that both the snake and the fox are depicted that way. Yes, I get my theology from old cartoon movies. In verse 1, the serpent seems to be mentioned as a beast of the field. It's hard to know if there's a distinction there or not. It appears to be that he's in the group of the beast of the field. And in verse 14, because the serpent had done this, the serpent is cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. And therefore, the question is often pondered, did the serpent have legs before the curse? Well, we we may never know. But the debate does go on, and I'm not sure how much time we should spend on such useless things, but let's do so for just a moment. In my mind, the fact that the serpent appears to be included in the category of the beast of the field and the fact that it was cursed above all cattle, it opens the door to the possibility, at least, that it wants possessed legs. In chapter 1 of Genesis, in verse 25, God makes a clear distinction between the beast of the earth, the cattle, and everything that creeps upon the earth. So I was curious, how many land animals are there that don't have legs? So you might include snails and slugs in that, the mollusk. (laughs) Come on now, make me feel good. And but I think those are in the creepy crawly category of God's creation. Then there are worms that live underground, but above ground on land, I'm only aware of snakes and legless lizards. And while I study the difference between the two, at a glance, without a close visual Examination, snakes and legless legless lizards look essentially the same. And if you think I'm going to get close enough to either one to see whether or not they have ear holes, eyelids, a flat belly, 
a forked tongue. You're crazy. I'm chopping whatever's head off that slithers. But I do find it interesting that out of all of God's creation, to my limited knowledge and research, there's only the snakes and the legless lizards, which have no legs and live above ground. Could it be the serpent once had legs but lost them as part of the curse? I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. It could just be the serpent was slithering up at a much more erect place and then its body behind it. Maybe after it was cursed, it was forced to go upon its belly that way. Either way, here's what we know. A change took place. Whatever, whatever the case, I did find the evolutionist's position laughable yet again. They claim snakes lost their legs because there was a period of time when they needed to burrow. And somehow the absence of legs would help. What kind of sense does that make? Other than worms, snakes, and legless lizards... All other burrowing creatures have legs. And if it's true that not having legs and claws helps you burrow, then why didn't all the other burrowing creatures lose their legs and claws? It just makes no sense. All right, with that nonsense out of the way, let's notice the obvious here from verse 14. Whatever the serpent was before, it now has been brought low. Satan's fall was a result of his pride. And we see in this curse upon the serpent, Satan's agent, that he is brought low. And this is a principle that we find throughout the Bible. Isaiah 2.12 says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon everyone that is proud and lofty, and upon everyone that is lifted up, and he shall be brought low. The serpent would now be brought low. It would be forced to slither upon its belly, and dust shall it eat all the days of its life. And that statement indicates just how low this animal has been brought. It's a miserable condition to find oneself in, to be brought this low. Because what it pictures, get this now, it pictures being conquered by the enemy. Psalm 44, verses 24 and 25. Wherefore hidest thou thy face, and forgettest our affliction and our oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust, our belly cleaveth unto the earth. Matthew Henry related this thought. Satan's crime was to tempt Eve to eat what she should not, and now his punishment would be to eat what he would not. Years ago, I remember I was driving some dusty dirt roads in South Mississippi when I came across this really long snake in the road. It almost took up the whole length of the road. And it wasn't moving out of the way. And as much as I hate snakes, I've only peeled out on one. That's because it was by my house and it was a rattlesnake. I got pictures if you'd like to see it. Um, Scared him right out of his skin. So I come up next to this snake and it's not moving. And so, from the safety of my car, I pull up next to this thing. And, and I'm in my Honda, so I'm not real safe, right? <laughs> they can just jump in. And, and so, CRX, okay? We're not talking like a cool Honda. We're talking like a little bitty thing. I pull up next to that thing, and I'm looking at it. And I notice it wasn't moving because it was digesting. A, it was engulfing a squirrel. It was eating it. And you could still see the tail out. And, it was... and as it was eating the squirrel, it was forced to eat all that dust from the road with it. You know, they don't chew. They just swallow. And once again, the Bible was proven 
correct with the serpent's curse. He is forced to eat the dust. We can see it. And I don't know about you, but the snake is the main animal that gives me the heebie-jeebies. The only thing that comes close is a wolf spider that's carrying all those babies on its back. Have you seen those things? I saw one just the other day, and it's nasty. It's got like dozens of dozens of dozens of little baby spiders on it. And then you're just doing the happy dance trying to kill them. (laughs) Maybe you have ophidiophobia, the fear of snakes. Come on. My wife has harcautophobia, the fear of bears. So the serpent is cursed, it's brought low. I got to give it the picture here. It's been used by Satan. And we see a similar principle when Jesus cast out the, the demons and they requested to go into the swine. Remember that? And Jesus allows them and they go into the swine and the pigs run violently down the hill into the sea and they drown and die. Now, while there is a curse upon the serpent as an animal, I don't want us to miss this morning that this is also a curse upon Satan, that old serpent called the devil. And the eating of the dust is also an indication of his defeat. Psalm 72 and verse 9. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. Isaiah 29, 4. And thou shalt be brought down, and shalt speak out of the ground, and thy speech shall be brought low out of the dust. And thy voice shall be as one that hath a familiar spirit out of the ground, and thy speech shall whisper out of the dust. Micah 7, 17, they shall lick the dust like a serpent. They shall move out of their holes like worms of the earth. They shall be afraid of the Lord our God and shall fear because of thee. And I have to mention again, Satan is a defeated foe. He has been brought low. He has been made to eat dust. He is certainly cursed above all else. As the serpent was transformed, so Satan had already been transformed from his original state, but now he is being further cursed, tempting mankind to sin. Remember, Satan was once Lucifer. He was once the anointed cherub that covereth. He was perfect in all his ways from the day he was created till iniquity was found in him. He was once beautiful, but he corrupted his wisdom by reason of his brightness, the Bible says. And God said in Ezekiel 28, 17, I will cast thee to the ground. And in Isaiah 14, 12, we read, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? And he became Satan in his fallen, cast down state. He may be granted this time to be the prince of this world to roam about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But we need to remember that Satan has no power over God. We just need to learn to see him for who he really is. And the day is coming when we will fully understand just how low and insignificant Satan is in contrast to Almighty God. The Bible says in Isaiah 14, 16, They that see shall narrowly look upon thee, talking about Satan, and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble? And that did shake the kingdoms? We're going to look upon him and say, Is this really who we were afraid of? This little insignificant devil. And if you're in Christ... You need to recognize Satan's defeated now. You need to recognize that as a child of God. And once you learn how great Christ is, you'll begin to understand Satan's defeated. What is your position in Christ being called a child of God? The Bible says in Christ we are more than conquerors because greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. 
We don't have to fear Satan any longer. But sometimes we pass the microphone around and we just brag on Satan. Well, you know, Satan just been beating me up. Well, that went over good. Psalm 91, 13, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Romans 16, 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Not only is Satan cursed, not only is it pictured with the curse of the serpent, but get this now as I begin to put this into your living room. All of us without Christ, all of those who oppose Christ, maybe I should put it that way as well, whether if you're not in Christ, you're opposing Him, by the way. All who oppose Christ are now in that same category of snakes. The wicked enemies of Christ. They have a curse upon them too. The Bible uses terms like serpent, adder, asp, and vipers to describe the wicked. Matthew chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, But when he, speaking of John the Baptist, saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth fruits therefore meet for repentance. John eight forty four. Jesus said, You're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Matthew 23, 31 through 33, Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers, ye serpents, ye generation of vipers. How can ye escape the damnation of hell? In Numbers 21, we have yet another account of when the children of Israel in the wilderness were rising up against God and against Moses, saying, Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. Speaking of manna. Do you remember God's punishment? The Bible says in Numbers 21, 6-9, And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that He take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So the punishment, the punishment for being the enemy of God was that God sent serpents among them. And when they were bitten by these serpents, they would die. And the remedy sure is strange, most strange. God says, just make a, make a serpent out of brass, put it on a pole, lift it up, and if somebody looks on it after they've been bitten, they'll live. Well, that doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. That seems pretty simple. Just a side note, have you ever noticed how the medical professions, a lot of them in the military, especially the military badges, in the hospitals, they'll show a medical field represented by a pole and a snake wrapped around it? Where do you think they got that from? Now, the problem for humanity is we were all born in enmity with God. We were born into the category of the serpents, the vipers that we just read about. Why? Because we have all inherited Adam's sin nature. 
We're all born sinners. Our carnal nature loathes the manna of God. We are born bitten with a bite from a fiery serpent, if you will. So what's our remedy? John chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The serpent was transformed by the curse of God. Satan was transformed by the curse of God. Get this now, stay with me. The Son of Man was transformed by the curse of God. Romans uh, chapter 8 and verse 3, For what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. God the Son set aside His glory, robed Himself in human flesh, sinful likeness of sinful flesh for one primary purpose, and that was to endure the curse of God for you. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Why was Jesus cursed of God? Because in 2 Corinthians 5.21 we learn that God hath made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He willingly took the curse of God the Father that He did not deserve. Are you hearing me? And He did so for sinful mankind. And we are no different than those Israelites who were plagued by the serpents. We are plagued by that old serpent, Satan. Though cursed, he lies covertly in waiting to strike and to bite Devour all that He can. He comes not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus said, I'm come to give life and that you might have life more abundantly. We only have one hope against this serpent, and that is to look upon the pierced Son of God risen up upon the cross who was numbered with the transgressors and who uh, made His grave with the wicked. You say, that just sounds like a weird remedy to me. I know. That sounds like it's too simple to me. I know. Just as Moses lifted up the serpent, so also must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're without Christ, it's that simple. You're born with a curse. You curse with a sin nature. You've got sin. You've got issues. You've got problems. You've, You've sinned against Almighty God. And you're just like the serpents. God has given a remedy. He put His Son upon a cross. He raised Him up. Somebody said he was raised up between heaven and earth, unfit for both. And there the Son of God shed his blood, died for you and me. So simple, but so strange to those outside of Christ. William A. Ogden wrote the hymn, Look and Live, in 1887. And the chorus reads, Look and live, my brother, live. Look to Jesus now and live. Tis recorded in His Word, hallelujah. It is only that you look and live. Have you looked upon the nail-pierced Son of God? Do you have life this morning? Do you know Him? Do you need deliverance today from the serpent? Look to Jesus in faith and live.
And if you're in Christ, maybe you're giving way too much credit to Satan. He's cursed. He's defeated. You don't have to be afraid of him if you're in Christ. Do you believe that? Let's pray.